You're listening to Creatives Prevail, unraveling the stories of creative professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creatives Prevail. I'm your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and my next guest is acoustic singer-songwriter Jam Now. In this interview, we discuss the importance of competitions, as well as meeting Alice Cooper and Sammy Hagar, which he has a fantastic story to tell. We also discuss fundraising as an artist and why it's so important to be a good hang. Let's get into it. Jam, how's it going? It's getting better all the time. Good. I'm glad to hear that. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. I mean, we, we go way back, my friend, now. It's, it's kind of wild to think about. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so, been... Uh, we met years ago, for sure. We, yeah, we met... I'm pretty sure it was a solid rock competition, which we'll definitely get into those. But I'm pretty sure it was... It was I think it was a back. rock and roll high school competition. You know what? I think it back. was. That's mm-hmm. even further back. So uh, for context, I used to uh, judge a number of Battle of the Bands competitions. And uh, so Jam would definitely be one that I would see constantly popping up. Um, at <laughs> different competitions that I was uh, end up judging, and yeah. it was cool because like you definitely uh, stood out uh, uh-huh. at times, not just because of the w- your performance, which has always been fantastic, but also the way that you conducted yourself. It was something uh-huh. that I've always noticed. You were always very kind and very professional, and that was something, especially as a judge, I never overlooked those things. Uh, not every judge do, like not every judge looks into that but i did um because sure. that is something that i always look for uh out of a performer is not just their performance itself but also just in general are, do they start on time do they end on time um you know what do they say in between the songs and you always were very good about making sure that not only were you on time for both starting and ending, but in addition to that too, you always were very grateful and thanked the, you know, the, whoever it was that was putting on the competition. Uh, thank you, the venue. Like those are things that you are really should be encouraged. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's definitely, uh, you can blame Dale Carnegie um, for that one. So <laughs> really? Yeah. That's kind of where it all came from. Uh, yeah, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Yes, yeah, he it's always a fantastic book. Yeah, he always says, you know, be hearty in your praise and approbation. Always remember people's names, and um, you know, just basically don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's it's, the bottom line. Which it, sometimes, you know, it's like I'm not a I'm not perfect, so it's like you know, but uh, I do my best to try to um, you know conduct conduct myself in a kind and courteous way, I guess, and uh, be. I guess, considerate of other people and empathetic and all those good things. So it is truly words to live by jam because it's, I think, I think for either of us, we definitely would not have gotten as far as we did if it wasn't for those things, if it wasn't for the fact of us being kind and generous. And I think we're just naturally kind and generous people anyway. Like I just like, it never occurred to me to use it as a tactic. It's just that that's, I will treat other people how I wanted to be treated. And so I never thought, felt it was a tactic, but I did realize that it was definitely a, a, a superpower, if you will, which is kind of crazy to think about. But it is truly a superpower to be, you know, to have that in mind and to be very uh, specific about thanking others and making sure that mm. you point out to, like you said, to remember people's names and to acknowledge those that are supporting you. I think it's it's just so important. Absolutely. No, for sure. I mean, 
uh, it's something that I think growing up, you know, playing music, uh, that was something that I learned like really early on was like, uh, actually Frenchie Smith, he's a producer out in Austin, Texas. Uh, he like produced jet and, um, I think he did some stuff with Santana and Lemmy and stuff like that. But, uh, he, uh, um, whenever, um, I was recording with him, uh, for some vintage Wednesday sessions back in the day, um, he was like rule number one, don't be a dick. <laughs> so that was like one of the first, that was one of the first things that I learned in the music industry. You know, once you started like really working with like some professionals and stuff, it was like, just be a, uh, you know, if you're not, uh, this is another funny thing too. That's like, you know, if you're not a good hang, then it's like, you're just not going to be hanging around very much, you know? So like if people don't enjoy being around you, if you're not a good person to hang out with, then the likelihood of you, you know, continuing to hang out with people and having opportunities be presented. It's like, they just start to dwindle at that point. So you got to be a good hang, you know? One of the things that I learned early on uh, being a rep in the music industry was if there's ever an opportunity for you to, to hang out with a band at an IHOP at midnight, right after a show, you say Do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I got some stories where it's like, I kind of like, you know, I'm like, man, I wish I would have taken that IHOP, you know, experience and gone and done that, you know, and I haven't, but always, always take a VIP pass. If anybody ever offers you a VIP pass, I don't care if your girlfriend is telling you that she wants to hang out and go get dinner or whatever, go take the freaking VIP pass. Or like, you know, if you have a buddy that wants to hang out, you know, the next day, or you got something going on and you have an opportunity to go to Las Vegas for some like backstage event or something like that with some, you know, big artists go do that like take every single opportunity that you possibly can like 100%. Like, like i can't tell you like there's there probably been like one or two maybe three different times where i'm just like god i wish that i would have just done that why did i not go do that and it's like you just don't you don't want to do that you want to take every opportunity that you can and uh yeah so 100%. In fact, funny story is uh, last year, in fact, uh, there, so the When We're Young Festival, the big mm -hmm. festival, right, that was put on yeah. by Live Nation. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a charity event that actually Kevin Lyman, the founder of Warp Tour, he put together the, um, with uh, Charity Bomb, which is also a fantastic organization. They used cool. to do bowling tournaments every single year during Warp Tour. So every city, city they went to, they would do bowling tournaments with the bands that were on the road with them. Love and, that. And they would do that for charity. So so fans Aww. could actually, you know, donate to charity and have the chance to bowl with their favorite bands. That's and awesome. It's a, it's a it was a great thing and we um 8020 has volunteered in the past when they come through Phoenix. So they they took that concept and actually did it in Vegas um mm -hmm. right on during the first weekend of the when we're young festival and it was a wow. part of it. it was officially a like a almost like a side it was called a sideshow it was officially uh adjunct to it but it mm -hmm. had all these like all of like kevin lyman's buddies which is like Jarrett reddick from bowling for soup the members of ah. finger like you know it was um it was all these different people and so uh they uh, were looking for volunteers so right. of i said yes so i brought myself and my team and um you know, and the band uh, Turn Zero, who's been a guest on uh, the Creators Prevail podcast before many times, uh, we all went up to Vegas to do yeah. this. And it was volunteering for sure. It, it was like a lot of setup and there was, there was a lot of things going on. There was a tournament, bowling tournament, but there was also like a show. It was a right. lot. But during the downtime, 
we're just hanging out in the green room with all these like bands that I like love yeah. listening to that's awesome. and just hanging out with them. And it was like the yeah. most amazing time. But that's the thing is like, you're just chilling and hanging. And if you're a good hang, like you said, and just like relax and so forth. I mean, mm-hmm. that's when things happen. That's when magic truly happens is like, cause that's the thing is like, think about it yourself is that if you are in a room with somebody else, do you want them to always talk about business or do you want somebody that is like just a friendly person that you could just have a casual conversation with? Yeah, absolutely. No, you got to be a good hang. That's like yeah. rule number one for sure. Definitely. So let's go to you and to the beginning, if you will, and uh, talk about how you got, got into music to begin with. Like, how did that all get started? Yeah, I guess if uh, we wanted to go to the very beginning, um, growing up, my uncle, uh, so it's like my great uncle, um, my uncle Norman, <laughs> on my mom's side, he uh, he always played music growing up. He was like a, um, like a semi uh, professional, like amateur musician in Chicago. And he put on like some battle of the bands, like back in the day. And he actually worked with like Stevie Ray Vaughan on some stuff and, um, got to meet Stevie Ray Vaughan and booked him at some festivals and stuff. So, um, he's got some cool stories, uh, back in the day. And, um, so growing up, he always like played Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan and, um, I'm trying to think what else he would just a bunch, basically just classic rock, like ACDC and just everything. And, uh, I would always go over to his house and we would ride dirt bikes as kids. And then, uh, you know, whenever I was a kid, like, and, um, whenever we'd go back home, you know, he would always have like a jam session and he'd have like basses lined up and guitars and we would just like sit around and play music for, for hours. And so that was kind of how I learned how to play guitar. It was like just hanging out with my uncle and, we'd have like family jam sessions and stuff where like you would come over and we jam. And, um, that was just kind of my, my upbringing. Like I learned really how to play to Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and all these like, uh, musicians through my uncle. And so I have a deep appreciation for him for, um, just showing me the way, you know, with music and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of, um, the, the genesis of my musical upbringing and then um, started playing in bands in high school. Uh, we won a couple battle of bands like at our high school, local high school. And then um, went and did Alice Cooper's um, competition because one of my teachers actually in high school, um, she was like, hey, Alice Cooper has this foundation that, you know, teens can go to. It's like an after school thing and you can take free lessons and all this stuff. And I was like 17 at the time. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. You know, free music lessons. Like, I definitely would love to do that. So I went and met Alice Cooper and band performed and uh, that band ended up um, disbanding. And then I kind of jumped around from band to band. Like I played in the band called Analog Outlaws who had Eddie Eberly in it. who's like blowing up all over TikTok now. And he's, he's, his career is totally taken off. And then I also played in a band called Vintage Wednesday. Um, and both bands ended up placing first in Alice Cooper's Proof is in the Pudding competition. So we got to open up for like Alice and Johnny Depp and the Hollywood Vampires with Joe Perry and Sammy Hagar. And I've met Sammy Hagar a couple of times. I got some funny stories about him. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's like, it, it was just like uh, this beautiful, um, serendipitous, uh, like, I guess just being in the right place at the right time. And just, you know, so they say it, it's luck, but I think a lot of it just takes, um, it, it's like, it's discipline too. It's like, if you consistently show up, you know, and you put yourself in situations for success, then that's inevitably what you'll, um, 
manifest. So yeah, anywho, so that was kind of that. And then, um, through Alice's foundation, um, I was actually recording in Austin, Texas, and then, um, uh, an opportunity came about to go record in LA at Jack Johnson's studio, um, with, well, it's Jack's studio and it was, um, my producer, Robert Carranza's studio. They like owned it and it was called Brushfire Records. And I don't actually think it's there anymore. They actually like sold the building. Uh, so, um, but it's a co cool spot. And, uh, it was really, I was actually the last artist to record at Brushfire, which is kind of, uh, which is definitely wow. like an honor to have been there and get to experience, you know, where they recorded so much awesome music and, um, yeah. So I went out to Jack's studio and, um, that was all because of Alice's foundation and, and Randy Spencer actually opened up that door and, um, just got to meet a bunch of different producers and tracked a, um, an EP out there that came out. And then now we've got like six songs in the bag, um, that we've been working on. We've recorded some tunes at Mario Caldado Jr. Studio who he, and he is best known for, uh, recording like the Beastie Boys and Jack Johnson and Beck and, he did some stuff with like Yoko Ono and um, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at now and just playing music and putting out music and uh, just keeping on, keeping on every day that I'm able to wake up and uh, feel free to like be able to create music for a living. It's like, it's a, it's a gift that just keeps on giving and I'm just so grateful to be able to do it and uh, to, to have the support of um, everybody in the community and um, yeah, everybody that's listening. So thanks. Thanks so much for everybody for your support. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I want to talk about competitions because you mentioned that two of the bands that you were in were, were able to win the Proof is in the Pudding competition, which, again, is, is put on by Solid Rock. And it's mm -hmm. happens all the time around the holidays. And, you know, Proof, proof is in the Pudding, had, hence the name. Right. And, you know, it, you know, it, you know, you, it attracts uh, artists from all multiple states not even just within the state of arizona it's like multiple states will come in for this particular competition so it's it's a pretty rigorous competition and yeah. the prize of you know getting to open for not only alice but usually like some other major act as well is an incredible opportunity and you were able to do it twice essentially so i know that you're probably gonna be a little bit biased on this but i do want your uh, opinion on competitions in general because you've done them quite a number of times both within bands as well as solo mm -hmm. so do you find that competitions has has helped you has there you know are there issues with competitions because i've seen people think about them in both ways sometimes people think that they're they're very beneficial because it gives you a goal in mind to mm -hmm. work towards and others feel that um can be very uh demoralizing because of course especially with these kind of competitions can be very subjective yeah um yeah, I totally like understand both perspectives, you know, like I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny because like I, at one point, like, I don't even know if, if I should say this, but like at one point it was like, I was, I was, uh, doing the competition so often, like I, cause I was also, I not only like competed in the band category, like I also did the soloist category too. So I placed second place as a solo artist. And then like I won in the band category one year, but they were like, you can't, win like in the band category and the soloist category in the same year like that's not fair so like <laughs> it was just like it was kind of funny but um so in and in that aspect like i kind of was like oh man like what the heck like why did i even do this competition because i really didn't even want to play not to like you know 
talk down about any of the bands I used to play with or anything. I love everybody that I played with back in the day, but like, I really didn't want to play in those, in the bands because I wasn't playing my own music. Um, so like I kind of, I can definitely empathize with somebody that doesn't, you know, I guess win, but like you look at bands like Aerosmith, they used to do battle of the bands all the day and they didn't always win the competitions. They actually, a lot of the times didn't even place. So, um, as a, as a, musician looking back in retrospect i think that every single competition or battle of the bands or like any any um type of you know event like that is definitely going to be super beneficial um for you as an artist inextricably you know it even you losing is so good for you as an artist because it pushes you um i mean there's some artists that i know that were improvers in the pudding that lost I don't know. Is it even a loss? Like, I don't even think it's like you losing. I mean, there are artists though that, that wanted to win that didn't year after year after year. And they're now playing around the freaking world, playing amazing music that people are listening to. And, you know, they're, they're touring and they're, you know, recording in like, you know, some of the best studios on the planet. So it's, it's really, I think a positive and beneficial thing for everybody to do battle of the bands and, and competitions like that, even if it is demoralizing, because I was just uh, talking to a friend of mine the other day, you know, it's like life is full of setbacks and it is full of adversity and suffering and disappointments and tribulations. And you also have to understand that with every adversity, there's an equivalent or greater benefit. So like, even though you might not have won, even though your ego is deflated in your, in your, disappointed that you didn't get what you wanted it's still a very beneficial positive growth experience for you in the long run and um all of those competitions what they did was they they forced me to be a better musician a better songwriter and it it there are songs that i wrote for those competitions that it would have never been written if it wasn't for for proof is in the pudding if it wasn't for those competitions that i did because um, and there are even other competitions that I did outside of Proof is in the Pudding that I wrote music for that I won. And uh, I mean, it's like it's it's it just it pushes you as an artist and it's the best thing that you could possibly do. Any form of competition, for sure. Um, that's why we have like the Olympics and the Grammys and stuff, because it pushes it pushes mankind forward, you know. <laughs> so absolutely. Um, let's talk about. You meeting Alice because I know that that has had a profound impact on you and a major influence, including on some of the songs that you've written. So, can you oh, talk yeah. about your experience of meeting Alice and how that has influenced <laughs> your music and your career in general? Good old Mr. Cooper. Yeah. yeah. I have the utmost respect and appreciation for Alice Cooper. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for Alice and Cheryl and uh, their selflessness, um, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't be the artist that I am today if it wasn't for their organization for sure. And everybody that's a part of their organization that, um, you know, so it's, it's definitely, uh, I just have the utmost respect for them for sure. Um, so yeah, the first time I met Alice, um, I was a little nervous, you know, it's like meeting this rock and roll hall of famer. I think it was about 17 and, um, yeah, I just met him at the rock and, I was like, whoa, this is like so surreal. Like you're, you know, getting to meet the, the one thing that tripped me out the most was like shaking his hand. This is the first time, you know, meeting him 
shaking his hand. I'm like, imagine all the people that that hand has like shook. <laughs> like as weird as that is, like John Lennon, like presidents, uh, you know, like just like Johnny Depp. I mean, it's like all these people, you know, so that as a kid, that was kind of the, I guess one of the first things that like I thought I was like, whoa, you know, but then after a while you realize just how down to earth and, um, humble Alice is. And it's like, you know, he's a cool, he's a, he's a good hang, (laughs) you know? And, um, yeah. And I've learned a lot from Alice too, as far as songwriting is concerned too. Like there's stuff that I think about every single time while I'm writing where I'm like, Oh, you know, I remember Alice saying like, instead of like staying in a minor key in this song, you should go to major during the chorus because it kind of like gives the song a little bit of a change and it lifts it and little things like that. Um, you know, taking like songwriting classes from him at, at, um, the rock. I mean, the guy, he has written so many hit songs and, uh, you know, he's an amazing poet, lyricist, songwriter, um, musician to be able to like learn from, from a rock and roll hall of famer, uh, in my early, my early days, it's like, you know, that, that's, that's, that beats any college or university, even though his foundation did open up some opportunities to go to university for music and stuff like that too. So thank you for that. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, it was like, I just, yeah, I've, so I'm like overwhelmed with like positivity and appreciation for them and everything that they've done for sure. So yeah, Alice Cooper, solid rock, check him out. Also, I, I have to ask, you mentioned that you have some fun stories about Sammy. Uh, is there anything that you're able to, say, oh, to talk about? Sammy Hagar? Yeah, yeah, that was a funny story. So I didn't know who Sammy Hagar was. And this is just like, this kind of just goes to show like how, uh, I guess, just like, th- like how cool Alice Cooper really is. So, you know, I was like, I think it was, uh, I think it was like Thanksgiving. They have like an annual Thanksgiving meal at at his charity and so he was like, yeah, jam, Sammy Hagar's in town tomorrow. I'm doing like an interview with him, you know, for this, uh, this, this TV show. Um, you know, we're doing it at the dungeon, you know, in, at Cooperstown. Do you want to come down and check it out? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. He's like, yeah, we're going to be playing a set. Like, come down. So of course, you know, here I am like, oh, I'll get there early, you know? So I got there early, like before anybody's even in the dungeon, like the, the camera crew's not even there yet. Like nobody's there. I'm like, this, I'm like, am I at the right place? I don't know if I came to the right place, you know? And so I'm sitting there and then the next thing I know, this guy walks in with capris and I'm like, like capris on and he's got these like curly hair and he looks like he just got off like, you know, a plane from like a beach or something, like just got off like an Island or something. And, uh, and you know, I'm like sitting there like playing my guitar and, uh, and he's like, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and, and he was like, I'm Sammy. I'm like, Oh, hi, Sammy. My name's Jam. And, you know, nice to meet you. I'm like, are you like running sound today or something? Like, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm like, and it, he didn't even actually say anything. Like, he just kind of was like, okay, like this dude d- doesn't know who I am. All right. So we ended up talking for like an hour in the dungeon and we were talking about like music and uh, just songwriting and stuff. And I, I really didn't even know who he was. And then Alice walks in and he's like, oh, you jam this is sammy and i'm like oh yeah we we already met like you know we've been talking for like an hour you know and and um 
yeah. So anyways, it was just kind of funny. And then they did the, the interview and, uh, yeah, they were just super cool. Yeah. Sammy was, Sammy was a super nice guy. If I bumped into him, he would probably you know, be like, Oh yeah, I remember we were talking at Cooperstown and I actually did bump into him again and he was like, Oh, what's up jam. So yeah. That's he's so a, cool. Yeah. Sammy, Sammy is a great guy. He's, he's, he's a character for sure. Again, comes back to uh full circle is that you have to be a good hang, right? Got to be a good hang. Definitely. Be a good hang. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. So what was the experience like work uh, recording at Jack Johnson's studio? Because that that's also an uh, amazing opportunity for you to go ahead and record there. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so Robert Carranza, he was the engineer and producer um, on all those sessions. I mean, basically everything except for maybe one song or two songs that I have out, Robert has been the brains behind it or the, the engineer and producer. And, um, yeah. So basically, I mean, he's just like the, the bees knees to say the least, you know, and, um, and Robert, he's like a five-time Grammy award-winning producer now. And, um, yeah, started going out there um, went out there with my buddy Aaron Smith, who recorded on the first Universal Love EP. He was like my drummer. And I was honestly really nervous, like when I first went out there, like, cause uh, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, just made like a positive impression and, you know, that uh, I, I came prepared and that the song sounded good and everything. And um, so we went out there and it was kind of an, it, I remember it was, it was kind of odd because like um, we recorded. I think acoustic guitar to the drums on those songs. And then later, like after we had like the songs recorded, so we had the drums recorded and the bass. That's right. We brought Juan Alderetti in too. Uh, he, he played with like the Mars Volta at the time. And he, he went on tour with like Marilyn Manson and toured with Manson and um, yeah, a bunch of uh, other, he's an amazing bass player. Um, so he came in um, for the session and it was basically me, Aaron and Juan. And we were all sitting in this room and uh we tracked universal love and giving tree and circle of life and silver screen we just banged them all out and i think i might have had like 10 songs and and um i usually what i like to do is like whenever i'm working with a producer is and i'm or anybody it's like what songs do you think sounds best like here's here's a batch of 10 songs which ones are the best you know let's record those and so i basically you know robert just like picked out the songs that he thought were the strongest and uh so we recorded those those tunes and, um, yeah, the next thing, you know, uh, I hit up my buddy, Andy Hankey. So I was, I was just leaving one band vintage Wednesday. Um, I was like really wanting to just focus on my own music as selfish as that is, you know? And, uh, I was like, I, I just didn't think that it was going to, I had a feeling like it wasn't going to, uh, stay together, the band. So I'm like, I'm going to just like have an Irish exit and go do my own thing. And Andy, uh, actually left the band at the same time. Like I didn't ask him to do that. He just decided, you know, maybe it's time to move on. So they kept playing together and they put out some more music and stuff. And then Andy, um, I was like, Hey man, like I'm recording this EP out in Hollywood. Like, do you want to come down and record on it? And so, um, I, I'm pretty sure like we flew him out and then he came down and he recorded on universal love. And, uh, he always just like adds so much flavor and, taste to music um and he's just a really great person to throw ideas um at, at you know against the wall with and and he's a good hang too you know so that's important and um yeah so 
Andy came out, recorded some stuff on top of what we had already recorded. And he was like the frosting on top. Then we did some vocals and uh, yeah, then the rest was history, I guess. But um, yeah, the, the experience working with Robert, I mean, he's, he's another person that is just like a teacher that I've had in my life uh, at a young age, you know, like I started working with him when I was 20. Um, I'm about to turn 27 in about a month. And, uh, yeah, he's like, he's just somebody that I once again have like the utmost respect and reverence and appreciation for. Um, and he's also somebody that I think has really just like tremendously, um, inspired me as a musician to work with. And, um, you know, he, he, he's worked with Jack Johnson for years, you know, on all of his stuff. And Jack is such a prolific writer and he's worked with a bunch of people too. Are you kidding me? He's worked with like, you know everybody under the sun um not that that matters but what matters is is the finished product and like working with like somebody like him it's just it's an honor you know to say the least and 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 every time uh you're in the studio with with dr robert it's like oh man it's like it's just like this is like an honor to work with him you know and to to be here and and uh with anybody you know like even like meeting mario caldado you know being able to uh, work with, you know, his guys and, and recorded his studio at his home, just totally like the utmost respect. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just like, like, I'm not worthy, you know? <laughs> so, um, but the biggest thing, like for me, like growing up, like it was always like, I want to surround myself with people that are better than me. You know, I want to surround myself with people that will push me as a musician that will make me a better human, a better friend, a better artist you know that push that push and that's that's the thing it's like you want to surround yourself with people that lift you up that you know inspire you to write better music and um so like just that was like a huge goal as a as a kid you know it's like just surrounding myself with like people that'll you know inspire me so yeah it's like just a super inspiring experience that continues to um uh just continues to perpetuate inspiration in my life to this day. You know, I could write music about those experiences forever. And actually like even one of the songs that I wrote, um, they were called, it was called clarity. Um, it's out there. That song is actually about Ben Beverly, who was one of the guys that worked at Jack's studio in LA that no longer is with us. Um, but yeah, like every time I'd walk past Ben's desk, I'd always be like, Ben, you always like, you know, bring out the best in people. You always like make people have a great day. And, and uh you always just say it like right back and um so when i came back to arizona uh got a phone call that like ben had passed away and it was like this moment of clarity where i was like you really have to treat people as if it's the last time you see him and um i think in the bridge of the song it's like uh, it talks about you know him being like my kind of people just like somebody that's like really down to earth cool and um just a good person at the end of the day you know good people surrounding yourself with good people that's the most important thing so yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked about before about again, like it's just it's just so important to to have a positive environment around you, especially when it comes to something like this, because there are so many struggles that come along with finding a career in music. Mm -hmm. And not only from an emotional standpoint, a mental standpoint, but of course, also um, at a fin financial level as well. There's a lot that's involved. So surrounding yourself with people that will support you, especially, you know, starting with motion, emotionally and mentally, because finances can come later. But 
emotionally and mentally is so important because there's going to be ups and downs all throughout the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, you know, one thing I learned, you know, early on growing up too, is like, you can't just expect handouts. And that's something that I learned in jujitsu too. It's like, you know, like you can't just expect people, you know, to give you like, for example, like in jujitsu, like there's different ranks and stuff like that. You're never supposed to talk about ranks, but, um, you know, you can't just like go in and be like, Oh, like I want like a, a blue belt or a purple belt. Like you have to earn those things in life and you have to, you know, you have to carve that path for yourself in order to get to those, you know, um, I guess stepping stones or achievements and stuff like that. And you can't expect anybody to give you anything in life and you shouldn't expect anybody to do that. It's all based on like one of, you, you know, you were talking about Alice, like one of my first experiences talking to Alice, one of the songs that I was, was inspired by um, to write was about hanging out with Alice for one of the first times at his golf tournament. And um, I asked him, I said, what does it take to, and I was, I think, again, like 17, 18 at the time I go, what does it take to be successful, you know, to, 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 to reach like your level of success? You know, this is like 18 year old me. And, um, and he's like a lot of hard work and you have to believe in yourself, you know? And like, you know, that was almost 10 years ago now. And it's definitely a lot of hard work. And it's funny. Cause like, you're like, Oh yeah, hard work, you know, but when you do what you love and you love what you do, it's not, it's not work, you know, every day's play, but it is, a lot of hard work when you, and it, and it's, I don't even think it's hard work. I think that, I think discipline, I think hard work is kind of like this cliche overused phrase or word. I think it's the discipline of being a musician. That's something that I think should be focused on more, at least like for, for people, for anybody out there, that's like an inspiring, you know, or up and coming musician. Like people are always like, you know, what advice can you give to like, you know, other musicians and stuff like that to have a good discipline like your rituals that you do during the day they are what like show me what you do during the day and i'll show you your future you know so it's like how you spend your time what you're doing with your time that's the most valuable resource and as you get older you start to realize like the thing the, how you spend your time during the day you know what you're doing with your time that is what makes or breaks your music or your success with anything, you know? So discipline, I think is, is, uh, you know, something super important that I have been focusing on a lot more lately too. So, yeah. Speaking of both discipline as well as handouts is mm -hmm. I want to talk about, uh, crowdfunding campaigns. Cause that's something sure. that you've done. And that is usually a misnomer when it comes to crowdfunding campaigns is that some people look at it as a handout. And nowadays crowdfunding campaigns are not done as much as they used to be. Sure. But it, in general though, when it comes to supporting your craft, we'll put it in more of a blanket term because nowadays it's more closer to, you know, Patreon or a subscription based, uh, where you are supporting somebody's creation um, through that type of model that's more popular nowadays than a crowdfunding campaign. But the the concept is the same, which is that you're providing a platform for others to support your work. So can you talk a little bit about your experience doing crowdfunding campaign and and just where is that nowadays, especially when it comes to supporting, you know, supporting somebody's cr uh, creations and craft? Yeah, I think I think that uh, crowdfunding campaigns are terrific, you know, um, I love crowdfunding campaigns. I mean, Universal Love, like the songs that we're recording now, like there's still songs that like, you know, we put out like a crowdfunding campaign, like I think five years ago or something like that. 
after Universal Love came out and really helped be able to like, you know, create the CDs and put out the merch and stuff like that and put out, you know, I guess like the finished product. Um, and I think that, that it's terrific. Like I think a great way for artists um, and Trevor Hall actually like really inspired. I think having like a vision, you know, to bring to fruition is important. Like have, have like a model in mind, you know, and, you know, don't just like rip somebody off for exactly like what they did, but like, you can see how somebody else has done it, you know, ran a successful crowdfunding campaign. And I've seen like, you know, like fairy bones, like they put out, I think maybe two or three successful crowdfunding campaigns. And I don't think that those are necessarily handouts. Um, it, it's a lot of work. I mean, you helped me with putting together my, you know, uh, project and you actually were a big proponent behind it being successful so thank you yeah i know so i really appreciate you um helping me out with that mike and um yeah i mean as far as like you know putting them out i think that they're great i think patreons are awesome too and i don't think that those are handouts those are you know people that want to support you that want to support your art and your creativity and there are people out there that want to do that you know um like there's a guy uh, shout out Steve Younger. He he supported our crowdfunding campaign years ago, and he booked the band um, at his home. And uh, you know he, you know, supported the campaign, and then he just like booked the band again recently. You know, and it's like those. It's that's not a handout. That's somebody that's that's supporting artists. You know, and then you go to his house, and he's got the Black Moods on his wall, and and Authority Zero, and all these local bands. You know that he supports, and it's awesome, and it's so cool to be a part of that, and. Anytime I go to like LA or out of town and people bring up like, what's the, people ask a lot, like, what's the scene like in Arizona, you know? And, um, it's, it's maybe not as like, I guess robust as like LA's music scene, but there's definitely a scene and, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's grateful. I'm grateful to be a part of that and, um, to just be able to play music and have people that support it and want to listen to it. And, uh, just to be able to play music for people um, that appreciate it, that's the biggest reward. You know, people that are like, oh, man, that song really sounds so good. You know, it's like all that hard work really pays off, and it means a lot. And, um, yeah, so, anywho, crowdfunding campaigns are great. I, I definitely support them. I think they're awesome. And um, it's, yeah, I think that it's definitely not a handout. I think it takes a lot of hard work to be able to bring them to fruition. And, and um yeah, so I'm down for them. One of the things that also has been really interesting these days is creators like yourself. And I'll put creators because there is so much that you can now do in addition to your own music, right? That sure. you can expand your brand, if you will, or just your your art. And one of the things that you've done recently is start your own podcast, which congratulations, by the way. And now thank you, a fellow podcaster. So you can can you um how did that all come about? Like can you talk about, you know, why you decided to start a podcast in general? Yeah. Um, I, my mentality was like, I really, you know, like recently, like I just took, took a month long break on social media. It was like going through a bunch of personal stuff. And I'm like, I just want to take a little hiatus and just really focus on being human rather than just like have my freaking brain, you know, uh, I guess I don't want to say like, influenced yeah I guess influenced by social media and stuff like that like I just really want to have a clear channel for some creativity so I took a break and um, I wrote like four songs five songs during that time and uh, 
really glad that I did because I really like some of the tunes. Other ones, some of some of the other ones aren't too good. But anyways, I digress. Um, so the reason why I started a podcast was like I felt like it was a more personable way to connect with people rather than just like, hey, here's a photo of me, you know, on Instagram, or here's a video of me playing this song that, you know, it'll maybe get 200 views or whatever, you know, or, or maybe 8,000 or whatever, you know, however many people see it. Um, and it's like, I just, I think that having a more personable dialogue between people, you know, I think it's a great way for others to know about you, to hear about you and, um, to just have a little bit more of like behind the scenes view into who you are as a person, I guess. Um, so that's why I did it. I thought it'd be cool to just bring some friends on in the industry and talk about music and jujitsu and things that I'm passionate about and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure God knows I like to talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> so too much. No. Uh, do you have any suggestions for those who are trying to uh, start a podcast? Like what would you recommend? I mean, you, you have a great setup. It looks like on your end and definitely a good oh. setup. definitely helps. Um, but can you talk about getting started? Because I, I know for starting this podcast, I took about a year to practice. <laughs> like it took me a while yeah. to build that confidence, even in myself as a host before even releasing a single episode. I'm just remembering actually, like I forgot I, I started the podcast during the pandemic because, um, I didn't know what else to do with my time. You know, like I just, I wasn't inspired really. I was like, felt really isolated and trapped and, you know, we were it was during lockdowns and stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast. Like seems like the right time to do it. So, um, but yeah, I did the same thing. It was like, I, I did videos just like this over zoom and I, I have like a handful of them. Like I brought Danny T on. Um, I, I brought my friend Summer on, I brought a bunch of, uh, people on, and then I never put the videos out because I was too embarrassed. Like I didn't like how I sounded or, or whatever. And it was just like, I'm still kind of figuring this whole thing out, you know? Um, but I guess, yeah, I think to get started, like I, there's only like two episodes out on my podcast right now. Like I'm still kind of getting the, the wheels rolling, but, um, I just would say do it. Just start it, you know, and it takes trial and error. It's just like music, you know, it's like or anything that involves uh, you know, creativity. It's just like there's trial and error. Like you're gonna splatter paint on a wall and see if it looks good. And it's kinda like that with podcasts or anything, you know, that that takes a little creative um envisionment, you know, if that's a word. Envisionment, I think. Maybe. We're gonna make it a word. We're gonna make it's it a word, word now. <laughs> We're making it on. Yeah. So um yeah, I would just say, you know, plug in a microphone, start talking, you know, bring some friends on and uh it's just it it's fun, you know. I think that it's fun a fun way to meet other people and connect and uh share other people's stories too. Like I'm super excited uh to bring Decker on the podcast next. Nice. Um yeah, so he's going to be on. We're recording on Thursday. I'll probably put it out Friday, so I'm stoked. And it, it that's a great way to collab with people too because um I'm always hitting him up. I'm like, Hey man, you want to play this show? You want to do this or that? And he always feels bad. He's like, Oh man, I'm sorry. Like I can't do it. I'm busy. I'm doing this other thing. So he's like, I can definitely do the podcast. Like let's do it. So, so, you know, it's a great way to just connect with people and, and um, I guess gain rapport and make new friends and, you know, be creative, do cool things, you know? Yeah. Don't, that's the thing. Even with creators prevail podcast, I make it very open, including with my own guests is that one of the reasons why I do this, not because I just love, 
doing the podcast in general. I just love talking to people and hearing their stories. Right. And that's the fundamental reason why I wanted to start a podcast was that reason. But then also finding these these other benefits. And one of the benefits was was a way to connect with people. And sometimes it's a lot easier of an ask to invite them to be uh, a guest on your podcast than it is for ask them to do a favor, to be on a show and so forth. Right. A way to continue to build relationships with people. And I, I got to tell you, it has 100% worked for me where I've actually built friendships because I originally reached out to them to ask them to be a guest on totally podcast. <laughs> and I end yeah. up being friends with them afterwards. And it's truly yeah. amazing. So I have personally can vouch that it does work and right. it just really depends upon the kind of podcast that you want and you know, and what ultimately, what do you want to get out of it? Yeah, no, 100%. And, and, you know, it's not for everybody. Like, you know, I have friends of mine that I'm like, yo, like, let, let's go on this podcast. And like, you know, like my band, like, like I have, I have recordings of us trying to do a podcast and it's just like, you know, they're, they're kind of just like these recordings, like from back in the day, like we went up to Flagstaff, you know, and tried to do one and it's just like it's just funny i'm like there's no way i'm putting this out <laughs> like it's just too embarrassing you know there, but there are a few on my end too that i don't think i'll ever see the light of day like the early, shoot early. i have one with danny where we have a oh my god i might put this out there but like it's funny because like he's like lying on laying in his bed during the whole thing and then like at one point i i realized i'm like Danny, are you in your underwear? Like, are you like, and he's like, yeah, man. Like, I'm just like chilling in my bed, like in my underwear, doing your podcast, you know? Like, and I'm like, Danny, like, what the heck, dude? Like, you'd think you'd be a little bit more, all right, whatever, you know? Hey, uh, I don't know. That sounds very, out, but <laughs> so Danny, so for context, Danny um, was the lead singer in this band called Captain Squeegee, which is a band that I represented for many years. Yeah. And I, I'm good friends with Danny. Like, I love the guy to death. And yeah, he's me too. Has his own solo project, Danny T, which I'm, so proud of him of and yeah. but that's very much how he is he's like very chill like he's he doesn't he's give most, up <laughs> yeah he really does not care um no. and uh it's one of the things actually i love about the guy is like me he's too so nonchalant about all the, these kind of things and just yeah you know brilliant person too so such a smart person mm -hmm. both like both creatively as well as like he really you know you know, he, he really has like, he's really interested in a lot of different topics too. And it's very informative too, on a lot of different things. So it's yeah. always good to have conversations with him. He's one of those people that like from a young age, like I, I think I told you this story actually like way, you know, long ago. Uh, but I'll never forget like the first time, like, you know, like I remember like when I first met Danny, you know, like I met him like at, I think a battle of the bands or whatever. But then there was one time where he was playing with Fayuka and, um, you know, he's a session musician. He plays, he's an amazing trumpet player, virtuoso musician. And, uh, I'll never forget. I was, this was like right when I was, you know, trying to find a producer to record my first, my first EP. And, uh, I was like, Hey man, do you know any like producers, you know, that I could reach out to? And he goes, yeah, man. He's like, I'm going to tell you, but it's a secret. I'm like, okay, who? And he's like, like whispers in my ear. He goes, and I'm like, what? And he's like, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, dude, I can't hear you. Can you please tell me who you're talking about? And he goes, and I'm like, oh, he really, really, he doesn't want me to know. And he goes, I go, who? And he's like, Bob Hogue. I'm like, oh, okay, Bob Hogue. Got it, got it. And I didn't know who Bob Hogue was at the time. Now I know Bob. Bob's a super, Bob's super aw great awesome. I've been I've been trying for a while to get him to uh, be on the podcast as well. In fact, and I Bob oh, and I great. go 
Bob and I go way back and Bob is an amazing producer has produced yeah. a lot of albums that were released under 8020 records. Um, yeah. Amazing, amazing work. And funny enough. So that all happened because uh, one of my prior bands, uh, there was a band called 1157 and yeah. uh, pop punk band long, long time ago. And right. they recorded a song with Bob and I was listening to it and they go, yeah, we found this guy, Bob from flying blanket. And, you know, we wanted to record with him and so forth. So I didn't know anything about Bob at the time, but I listened to the song that they recorded and it was amazing huh. to mention that what not only was a great song, but also had a lot of trumpet in there. Yeah. Right around the time that I started representing captain squeegee. And so Danny was asking me if I knew of any producers and immediately come to mind was Bob, because I, th I thought figured, okay, well, you know, this was like this, he, what he did was more pop punk, but yeah. the horn sounded incredible. And I'm, and that's a big part of the Captain Squeegee band. Like they're very horn heavy, obviously. So, yeah. um, so for that reason, I said, we should just, just like, I just threw the name out there. Like I didn't know much about it except that, you know, that Bob existed. He did this recording. It sounded right. amazing. I didn't know anything about his incredible background. So sure. the whole other thing. And he's yeah. recorded so many incredible artists in the past. I had no idea of any of that. All I saw heard was this one song mm. and how and how good it, and how much I really liked the recording and, and the quality of it. And it was just amazing. And so I reached out to Bob and was able to get everyone connected and that's when captain squeegee's to the bardos album was getting recorded we were looking for someone to record that album and that ended Great album Bob. and uh at the same token too we were representing a band called fairy bones um Love them. and also introduced uh bob to chelsea as well because again i just really liked working with bob on that album and he just did a great it was just a wonderful wonderful experience and so i reckon i suggested bob to uh to chelsea for fairy bones as well and then that's how that came about so it's just funny how all things work and that was just literally me looking for um somebody to to rec you know out you know another producer that can record music for my artists and yeah. It was because of Bob's, and like not only how how skilled he is as a producer, but just how wonderful of an experience it was to work with Bob. So, yeah. and that's you know again like kind of again going full circle once again. It's like you got to be good hang, and like that's the mm -hmm. thing about Bob is like he's just a great person to to hang out with, and he'll talk your ear off about like all kinds of different stuff, and that's what makes it so such a good time. Like you just feel so relaxed while you're in the studio with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna be like the mantra of of this podcast. It gotta be a good hang. <laughs> gotta be a good. Oh, that's gonna be the title. I, I mean, I already have in my. Gotta be a good hang. Gotta yeah. be a good hang. That's literally gonna be the title of this episode. But yeah, so but with Danny, um, yeah, it's like so. Anyways, like going uh, the whole whispering in the ear thing. What I was gonna say is like he's just one of the funniest people to hang oh, out with. Oh, he's hilarious. He, he like it takes a lot. Like I have like I I really I don't know. Like it takes a lot for me to like laugh and like this dude. He just makes you laugh. Like I'm I'm smiling just thinking about Danny right now because he it just has this like this like uh, oh uh just this levity to him that just like it brightens a room when he walks in, you know. I remember yeah. that I do have a fun uh Danny story actually. So uh we were I think I, I got was, some funny Danny stories. Oh, I'm Let sure. me tell we all you. got some funny Danny stories. <laughs> I remember one time we I was I was uh uh, I think it was it was after I think a meeting or something like that that we had. Um, yeah. I think it was just with Danny at the time. I think we just had like finished up a meeting, and I was driving him back to his place. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in my car, um, in the park in the in the parking lot, 
uh, of the co-working space I was working out of. And Danny goes, hey, I got something for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he puts on my dash this little toy like bus thing. Uh-huh. And I'm like very confused. I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And he goes, I just want to let you know how serious we are about touring. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. That's a good, that's a good. And, and like, you know what he did there though? Like, I love that type of stuff. Like that's some psychology right there actually too, because like I love, uh, which kind of reminds me of Dale Carnegie actually going back full circle again, where um, he talks about like, doing little things like that where visually like it, it it drives home a point to somebody and that's and being a musician like being a band leader like being in a band like that's one thing that you also have to kind of um i guess like fine tune which it which is like how to um i guess influence people or like drive a point home and be able to work with other people and bring them on board you know um, like there's this one that's a that that's just awesome though because what it what it did was like the little the little bus really drove home the point to you that they really took that seriously and they wanted to tour you know um there's another like one kind of like that where it's like you know uh if you're trying to sell somebody this is like kind of the example from the book but if you're trying to sell something to somebody and then you drop some change on the ground and you're and you're like you're gonna be losing a lot of money if you don't like you know buy this cash register uh or whatever like you just have that like psychological like uh visualization or like it kind of brings home drives home the point you know so that was a nice um i guess trick that he kind of used i'm sure they went on tour after that too they did they did go on tour and i still have that and so they me too i still have it to this day and it's always a a reminder of that time and it's something that i i will always cherish Mm -hmm. um because they were you know fantastic group of individuals i had such a great time with them nice so um but yeah it's just like but again like it's a it goes to danny's character in general of that and it was just like it's it's interesting because you're like you're right it's like it's it's off it's like offbeat a little bit but it's brilliant because again that that moment of commitment to that moment of connection Mm -hmm. and uh yeah and it's something that i'll never forget yeah no, that's that's beautiful. I love stories like that. That's awesome. <laughs> good so, old Danny T. Good old Danny T. We can uh, start wrapping things up here. Yeah. I do have a list of questions I like to ask uh, my guests. So I'm sure. going to start shooting them off to you. Number one is the first concert that you ever went to. A death metal concert with Vader and Destruction. Wow, that's a great first one. Yeah. And then I was like 10 years old and uh, they actually kicked me out because the mosh pit was too intense. And they were like, oh, no, like we don't want you to get hurt. So they kind of kicked me out. And then my mom and uh, and her partner were like, let's go to Vegas or no, we went to Los Angeles. That was the first time I went to L.A. So we went to L.A. the next day to see them uh, play in Hollywood. So that was my first. Yeah. So that was my second concert, too. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. What is uh your go-to song to play or sing in the car? Um, usually it's like whatever's on the radio, you know, like I'll just like flip on like 93.9 or, uh, you know, whatever's on the radio and uh, just, you know, catch, catch the vibe of the radio frequencies. You know, I like to listen to what's, what's hot on the airwaves, you know, but if I plug my phone in, it's usually like uh, Sublime or Trevor Hall or been listening to a lot of, uh, 
David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. A lot of, a lot of that lately. So uh, w- the underlying theme of the, all this was, you know, again, like, don't be dick, don't, you know, be good hang, things like that, too. Yeah. But I will say that, let's do this. Outside of those things, if mm-hmm. somebody, if a musician came to you and asked for advice on how to build a career in the music industry, and you could only give them one piece of advice, mm-hmm. what would that be? Um, I would, like, I think I would go back and just say, you know, uh, be disciplined in your rituals, like be disciplined in what you do, um, be disciplined in like setting one day a week to book gigs, you know, and then like some time to follow up with people about like recording or the business aspect of it. Uh, be disciplined with how much time you spend on social media. You don't want to spend too much and you don't want to spend too little. And most importantly, be disciplined with like your songwriting and, your creativity, like set it, set aside, you know, one thing that I like to do, like if I haven't practiced in a while, I'll just like, just go, I'm going to practice for two minutes a day. And then that two minutes ends up becoming obviously more than that. So just be disciplined with picking up your instrument and practicing every single day as often as you can, you know? So. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Really do appreciate it. So proud of you, Jam. I mean, I see oh. literally you grow as a musician all these years, and it's just amazing to see you find your own element and to flourish. So uh, oh. super proud of you, man. Well, I appreciate you so much, Mike. It's because of uh, people like you that just continue to support the music, and I really appreciate just the opportunity to be on your show today. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right, man. Peace and love. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to Creatives Prevail. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave us a review. They are an immense help. Now go out there and make something happen.